This presentation is from UX Australia 2016, held in Melbourne. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you can see up here we've got Poly V, um, which means that you can ask the panel questions without having to put your hand up. Um, so you can literally just put them into your phone. You just have to go to polyv.com slash Ansarada. Are you in there? Is it working? Just checking. Um, so I just wanted to direct everybody to that so when we get to it. Um, so welcome to the uh, panel session I'm running today, which is uh, all about careers in UX. Um, I'm assuming we're going to have some, a mix of people in here who are either in UX and looking to progress their careers or they're outside of UX wanting to transfer in um, or just looking to get started. So just out of interest, have we got anybody here from digital marketing background? Okay, a few. What about product? Product management, product design. What about development? Okay, okay. Not as many as I was expecting, actually. And um, people who are already in UX? Okay, interesting. Okay, so there's a bit of looking to how to progress your career, I'm expecting then. All right, so um, let's get started then. I'm just going to give you a brief interruption, introduction to our panel. First of all, me. My name's Emma Jones. I am head of talent at a company called Ansarada uh, in Sydney. We are... Um, we're a software company, basically. So we have um, a global product that is for mergers and acquisitions, IPOs. It's a data room, basically, so for secure document sharing. We've hired probably about 60-odd people in the last 12 months, 60-something people, which is quite a lot. Um, thankfully, not as many this coming year. Um, and I've been in recruitment for about 23 years now. So child labor started very, <laughs> very young. Um, <laughs> and I'm in good company. Um, and I've been specialising in the UX space since I moved to Australia about five years ago. Um, so that's me. I'm going to introduce you to the rest of the, the panel we've got here. So we have Jenny Oi, this lady here. Jenny started out as a junior industrial designer. Um, she's got a degree in industrial design from UTS. Around about 20-odd years in the industry-ish. Also, obviously, started very young. Um, She's built a very, very successful career, delivered projects, strategy, innovations, companies, products, and brands. Um, she's got an MBA as well, so she's got that bridge of um, you know, design and business, business design as well, which we're seeing more and more of um, coming out of the universities with these dual degrees. Um, she's now a director at the Customer Experience Company, uh, which is an astress, uh, a successful Australian design and innovation consultancy. We have Larissa Azevedo, who um, a fair few people will have seen speak here before, I'm sure. Um, so Larissa started her career in the mid-90s in design. Sorry, should I not? Is this too much, too much information? I should have sent these to you for vetting first. Um, she spent about nine years in senior design and leadership roles at 9MSN. Um, she's got a master's degree in interactive design. Um, she did banking for, has done banking for about the last seven years. Um, she's currently at Combank, um, and for the last four years, she's been heading up their UXD. Um, she's that rare blend of, of design manager and hands-on practitioner, um, and she's hired a huge number of designers, as you'll probably have noticed if you're 
anywhere around in this industry in the last few years. Um, then we've got Katya. So Katya Forbes, everybody knows Katya. She's done a lot of speaking. She's, I'm saying that in the nicest way possible. Um, so she's a prolific speaker. Um, she has a degree in journalism and politics, a master's in multimedia design, and a master's in human-centred systems from London. Um, she leads and mentors at the IXDA Sydney chapter. She lectures, teaches, prolific speaker, um, and she's consulted and freelance for many years. So she's a good person to answer, ask questions on freelancing. There's not that many real, true freelancers in Australia, I have found. Um, and so those questions would be probably best directed for her. She's now MD of her own human-centred consultancy called SIFT. Holly Colbert, on the end there, she's got a degree in psychology. I am actually the only person here without a degree, which... Is really quite intimidating. I know, it's embarrassing. Like I said, child labour. Um, so do, Holly's got a degree in psychology. She specialised in UX recruitment for about the last five years plus. I think both... You're going to correct me now. Both in um, the UK, so in London and here in Australia for a number of years. Um, she has, she's le recently left into Pro Digital. She was about there about three years or so. Um, and she started up on her own. Um, Sustain Digital is her, the name of her company. Now, Holly's a great person to know and ask questions for about the general state of the UX job market in Australia. So she knows it better than any recruiter I've met other than myself. Um, so direct those sorts of questions to her. Elizabeth Enders is from Envato, an Australian startup success story, just turned 10 years old. Uh, the company, not Elizabeth. And... She, uh, Elizabeth heads up their internal recruitment team and talent acquisition team. And she's been passionate about digital her whole career and has worked in a number of digital recruitment roles, both externally in agency world and in her um, current role. So that's the panel. Welcome, panel. Thank you very much for joining us. I am going to ask you now to... Start putting your questions up when I'm hoping they will appear. <laughs> oh, look, there they are. It works. Okay, so um, I'll, you, you can't see them. No, it's okay, it's okay. Henry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Can you all see? But then I can't see them, just saying. <laughs> are you going to be? That's fine. Um, yeah, I thought I might, actually. Um, so I'm going to just pass out some of these. Thank you for asking questions. You can also vote on them, you'll see, so that the most popular ones will shift to the top. Um, so let's kick off with one. So anybody got some suggestions on transitioning from graphic design to UX design? Who would like to answer that question? Uh, I'll, I'll go. Go, Catcher. <laughs> I'll go. Um, yeah, so the majority of people that I work with now are people who are doing career transitions and a lot of the people who are entering, entering the market now are doing that career transition. Um, the thing that I often tell people is to remember where you came from. Always be able to discuss the, the, the story that you've got to tell for all of the things you did before you move into UX. Um, there are a lot of things in graphic design that are absolutely pertinent to a user experience career and what you really need to do is just build the skills in the areas that are gaps that you don't have within the graphic design. Um, so building the skills in user research, building the skills in um, talking to people, building your skills in understanding how to actually you know, un find out what people want, need and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, for me, I think you 
to transition, you need to be able to tell people what you've done in the past and how it's relevant to what you're trying to do now and really get people to understand you as the whole person, not just a, you know, a CV of these bits and just now you want to do UX. So very much tell your holistic story. That's great. Thank you, Katia. I've got um, a, a bit of a trend coming up here on qualifications. Um, actually, I'm going to ask Larissa if you can answer that one um, because you've hired obviously a large number of people over um, a period of time into roles at the bank. Yep. Um, so the question is really, how important is it to have qualifications? What sort of qualifications should they have? Are degrees still important, if at all? I wouldn't say that it's in a criteria that I look very closely. Um, if they have related uh, qualification, not many people do. Uh, I guess you know the new generation will because there are more courses available now than there were you know five, ten years ago. Um, I, you obviously know that they have been sort of um, trained and have exposure to a lot of uh, the tools and techniques we have. Um, there are a lot of re related uh, curriculums in design and you know in good universities in Australia that uh, give them good tools as well. And so I think it's a yes and no. You know I wouldn't sort of discard someone because they don't have the right qualification or they don't have the right degree as long as they meet all the criteria we have. Um, but I think, you know, having some um, studies and I guess more than anything, dev develop critical thinking and that's quite important for UX. So if you did something that you develop your critical thinking and develop some design, so some sensibility and some base, you know, um, concepts of interaction and human sort of um, history and human social um, aspects, I think they're kind of, it's a very good thing to have. What about there's, um, there is a bit more call these days for that business design um, thing. How, how, I mean, do you see that there's a need for it? So, I mean, if I think about, Jenny, your, your customers, um, you know, and obviously you've got that mixture as well. So is there a need for it? Do you, do you see in the business design as well as the um, straightforward sort of UX and interaction design? Yes, definitely. We do a lot of, um, when, especially when we're doing strategic work, um, um, customer strategies or channel strategies, digital strategy, you need definitely commercial aspect and the business design component as well as the customer and um, design component. That's oh, better. Sorry. <laughs> um, Can you say it again? <laughs> yeah. um, so absolutely business design. Um, we, when we look for business designers, we look for people with um, business background or financial background. Um, when we look for designers, we look for human, human, humanistic um, practices or, you know, we hire a lot of industrial designers and architects because they're trained in design um, thinking but not necessarily UX, digital design or service design, but they have the right foundations. So would, does that mean that, um, are you saying that if you were to hire somebody into a role that involved strategy, that you'd look ideally for somebody who's got a degree that's related to that? So like human factors or something? Would that sway you or, or is um, it, is, must I they have it? It's more a way of thinking. I have an industrial design grad who's probably 25. He's one of the most strategic thinkers in my organisation. Okay. Um, so I think uh, it doesn't matter how old or young you are or necessarily your qualifications. It's, it's more about how you think. And you can do a business degree and not be very strategic. Um, 
Okay. It's a really hard question to answer. Um, Holly, what about you? Do you, you obviously have a lot of customers um, that come to you looking for people. So do you get asked for qualifications a lot? Um, I think it actually depends on the client. Um, some hiring managers, especially around that service design space, are looking for that industrial design degree or, um, yeah, like a HCI degree or um, some kind of formal qualification, whereas other clients are more interested in meeting the individual and learning, you know, they can come from any different field really and they're open to that. It's more the way that they, like um, Jenny was saying, more around the design thinking piece. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty much varied. It really depends yeah. on the organisation and the way mm. that they like to hire. What about Invato? Do you tend to look for people with qualifications? Uh, no, no, sorry. <laughs> if you have a qualification, great, um, but uh, we really look at somebody's experience. Um, so I guess what they've been doing um, and how that relates to sort of the work that, that we're working on at, at any particular um, time, um, but also when they sort of come in and are engaged in the recruitment process, just how they articulate their uh, design thinking and their design process and what they've been involved in um, rather than a sort of an official sort of degree from an institution but um, having a degree um, especially at the early stages of your career definitely helps with that uh, critical thinking and it gives you a really good foundation uh, whether it's psychology or design a number of sort of different fields but uh, it's not a must-have for us. Good. Uh, it was a good question. Um, so Okay, so let's move on to the next one. What are the biggest gaps in UX skill sets these days? Um, I've been speaking to a few people just today so far who are looking for new people and finding that it's, it's tough out there to find good people for their teams. So what is it that's missing? Let's start where you've got the mic at the moment. What, what have you found, Elizabeth? People with, or for us, uh, we see a lot of people coming out of agencies that, that really want to move client side to, to work somewhere like Envato. Um, and we find what's missing for us is people in the Australian market, and they're definitely out there, that, that have worked um, on products um, or can at least um, sort of change their mindset to work on sort of a longer piece of work rather than sort of short campaigns. Okay. Has anyone else got some, something to add to that? Um, I would say that there's real like very skilled and experienced um research uh because research mm. is a bit of a dark art um and there's i think there are a lot of people who are and going back to the original question transitioning from graphic design and doing that career transition so they transition into sort of the user interface area of it um or they transition into um you know, that maybe the prototyping part of it because it's a more comfortable and easy transition. Whereas moving into um, research, we have some really skilled researchers here, um, but in the early days, people I think are finding it easy to, easier to move into UX via that design path rather than via the research path. And and research is it's hard. Yeah, you, you kind of you know you need to learn what's in your toolbox. To, you know, and then figure out what's the right tool out of that toolbox to find the answers that I need and then be able to apply that tool correctly so that you don't just you know, lead somebody to tell you something that you want them to. So I think it's, yeah. it's a, um, an area where I'd like to provide lots of education opportunities for people. Yeah, cool. 
Um, and Larissa, what do you think? What do you find is the biggest gap or are the biggest gaps when you're seeing CVs and, and candidates coming through? What's missing? And it's hard to find people with really good experience, like solid experience. So it's easier to find people that we can build up um, their, their capabilities than it is when you actually need someone to lead that has a range of um, skills and people like some of people on this panel it's they are only you know a small pool of them and they are high demand you know there are great opportunities out there and so when you need those you know um, kind of people it's really hard to find we also it's also hard to find some specialization and I would say IA which is you know where a lot of um, I guess UX as it started is really hard to find people that do good IA because it became something that we don't do so often, I guess. Mm. And um, techniques, um, we have one at the moment, it's the only one that I, 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 I know that actually can build really solid IA with um, um, mixing qualitative and quantitative research into that. So in using a range of things to come up with one IA, very, very difficult um, to find that's kind of really specialized um, UX. So that's actually quite a good question. Uh, that leads us on to another question, which is about that generalist versus um, specialist, which is a common thing. I've heard this discussion happen, uh, being had for probably since I've been in Australia. Generalist or specialist? And there's people who sit in both camps. Um, Holly, I'd be really interested to hear from you, actually, as to what, again, if you're seeing any trends emerging over the years since you've been in Australia of um, companies wanting people who specialise in one particular area and also of people in careers wanting to specialise in one particular area or is there a leaning towards you know the whole end-to-end -end, we've got to have people who can do woe to go yeah I think there um the trend that I'm seeing at the moment is that companies especially smaller companies or medium-sized companies that are you know looking to hire perhaps they've never had UX capability in-house before so they're looking for more of that hybrid kind of T-shaped uh, designer, somebody across UI and UX, or somebody who's um, yeah really good at one particular thing, but can also work on many different um, parts to help the company, I guess, on lots of different projects. Whereas, I guess, if you're specialising and you're like an excellent interaction designer, then you should play to your strengths. So. I think there's still a need for people who are specialised, um, but also companies are, are looking for more of a hybrid. So, um, Jenny, can I ask you then on that question, what would you say uh, would be the best piece of advice you could give to somebody who's looking to start a career in, or sorry, who's looking to progress their career? Should they specialise? Should they look to go down and really have a deep domain knowledge in one area, whether it be research or IA or something particular, a part of that process, or should they, would they be better, um, you know, equipped for the market if they were more that generalist? I think there's definitely room for both. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's, it's, it depends on the situation. So if you have Combank with a, a really large team of designers, you, there's so much room for specialisation in there, like you're saying with your IA. Um, that, that seems only natural, whereas um, we're a, a 50 person consulting firm, so we like to have people with more 
with more broader skills so that we have more versatility across our projects. So we have combo UX and service designers in our organisation. Um, and we have a few specialists, but we have more generalists. Whereas I can imagine you could certainly fit both. So I think that there's, the market is, is big enough. There's absolutely room to do whatever, either way. Perhaps it's, it's the environment, actually, that they go into um, and the customers and the type of engagements. Um, so a, a bank, for example, um, so a large bank, banking environment, or any large corporate, a telco, a bank, an insurance company, whatever, might have a bit more of a structured approach with um, teams. Or do, Are they more cross-functional now, Larissa, or are they...? We are, actually. We, we are looking at more hybrid people than we were before because... Um, also as career development, so we want people that can be in the same sort of versatile and can kind of do a couple of things as opposed to just one thing, and so we need five different skills in a project. Um, but also it's an opportunity for people that has been there and has this deep, sort of the, the, the deep, deep part of the T to actually increase their, 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 you know, their skill sets. So in relation to graphic designers, so the visual designers, so you initially had really kind of um, separate and defined visual design team and what we see now they are slowly sort of merging into interaction design and they bring things like the animation as, as those things getting more mature you know, in the new technology in, in our apps, in, in our um, sites you know, they bring in that different dimension that the UX and not ne don't necessarily have so I think it's kind of you know, the, the edges are getting blurred and, um, and that's a good opportunity for people to actually ex explore different things um, without losing your decor. Mm. Can I go? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, from an advice point of view, um, you have to do your job all day, every day, for the whole of the week. And I think the idea of a, of a UX generalist is actually a bit bullshit because the... Oh, am I allowed to swear? It's too late. Of course. <laughs> Not unless um, everyone's got any children in the room. Are there children? children? <laughs> I don't think so. Any child labour in the room? Um, no, it's, I mean, from, I think the, if you think of the landscape of skills that fall in under this grandiose umbrella of UX, we've got content strategy, we've got information architecture, we've got prototypers, we've got user interface designers, we've got service designers, we've got, you know, people who do wonderful research and turn it into strategy documents and principles. I think being good at every single aspect of our amazing, varied and nuanced landscape is not possible. Um, I think if you say that you're a generalist, the best that you probably can do is a reasonably good job of most of the things and definitely not a reasonably good job of all of the things. So the advice that I've given to people who I've taught um, at universities and uh, people who've come through General Assembly and said, what shall I do? Shall I specialise or shall I be a generalist? I think that you should try all of the things that interest you, figure out which one floats your boat the most and choose that one as the thing that you do the most of and then, you know, build out your practice as you can in the other areas where you have got strengths. Um, but, yeah, I think a, a generalist is a... It's, a, it's not a thing. Right. It's funny you should say that, though. Sure. Um, I, I, I do think that's quite an interesting viewpoint um, because it's such a big topic, and I think there are just so many people that have this big question mark, should I do this? Um, I do think there's a preference that comes into it as well. So some people are more suited to certain parts of the process 
um, and are happier living in that world than others as well. So it's, it's as well as demand and making yourself marketable, it's also about what you love to do. Um, so let's move on to another one. We've got here um, advice on building a portfolio from scratch is quite a popular question. Um, which I think portfolio the demand for and portfolios themselves and what's acceptable and what's desirable now has probably changed quite a lot in the last few years because there used to be such a small um, pool of people that it was more about who you know and you, <laughs> you, know, you hired people that you'd work with or whatever. But now there's a lot more people in this space. Um, so is a portfolio important? What should be in it? How should people put one together from nothing? I could take a little bit of a crack at that. So we did some portfolio reviews uh, earlier this week for people who are new, um, people who didn't really have their portfolios all that much together. Um, the things that I think uh, people who who know what they're looking for in a portfolio, they're actually looking for, obviously, samples of your work. But what they're not looking for is a finished design that you actually had nothing to do with getting to the state that you're presenting it in. So the things that you need to put in your portfolio is your process. What, how did you get from A to B to C and to this final shiny thing that you might be showing? Show how, um, how you're cross-functional uh, cross and cross-disciplinary. How did you work with people who are in development? How did you work with product managers? So being able to show um, artefacts that show how you actually can work with a team. Um, be able to point at things and say, I did that, not we did that because any interviewer worth their salt will hear the we and know what's going on, which is that you're showing a set of teamwork and there isn't actually something in there that you can point at and say, I was responsible for this. Um, portfolio from scratch. So, I mean, the, the easiest way if you're transitioning into UX or getting started in the career, go do some volunteer work. Um, and, you know, perhaps for a charity that suits you or somebody um, who you feel can't afford your services so that you think it's worthy. Um, and build up your skills by just doing small pieces of work. Um, writing about UX, your thoughts. Even if you're new to UX, you've still got thoughts on it. Putting things like blog posts and, and examples of things that you've written about into a portfolio is a valid way to show that you're a good thinker. So your portfolio doesn't necessarily have to be the final thing that went live that 60 people were involved in. Your portfolio needs to show who you are, how you think, what your process is, um, and the good decisions that you've made. Who wants to have a go at that? Anybody else? I think you've uh, blown it all away. <laughs> uh, portfolio is definitely sort of very important to us um, when we're reviewing um, sort of people to, to join our team. Um, as already mentioned, we really want to see your thinking. We don't just want to see sort of the finished um, product or uh, piece of work um, that you contributed to. We want to know what part you had in it um, and uh, yeah, the, the best pieces of work and portfolios that I've seen over time um, really outline um, how people think um, and really help us get insight before we sort of bring you in um, to talk to you about that in more detail. Holly, what do you think? You, you obviously get, um, you've got lots of different customers. So you've got a view of lots of different customers out there. How many of them ask for portfolios now when they give you a role to fill in UX? I think um, online portfolios for a junior stepping into the market is pretty important. Like even if you haven't got a large range of projects to show, it's more quality over quantity. Um, so companies want to see your process. You're going to have to be able to tell a story while you're presenting it. So, um, yeah, even do your own projects or like you were saying, pro bono work or... 
Um, that's really good to see in a portfolio. You've got to show your passion and your enthusiasm. So, um, what about what about people who are experienced though? So, I know when I was um, working out in the market, I found that there were great candidates. Like there might be some experienced people here who um, are looking to move into that next role. Up. Yeah. Um, and they've been working for a long time, and they don't. They, they like, haven't got a portfolio. I've never needed one. Is it important for those people to have a portfolio? Do you still get that request even when they're looking for a senior or a lead or a manager? I think at that senior lead level, um, these candidates, it's a really high demand market. So they're usually pretty busy um, to be updating their folio all the time. Like they'll usually have different things that they can bring along. Or I don't think they'll, at that kind of level, I don't think a client, if they can see from their profile or they'll do their own internal references or they'll know or hear about them anyway, they'll, they'll know how good they are um, okay. without them having... It's more definitely for their junior mids need a really okay. strong portfolio, um, seniors as well. Larissa, what do you think? I think portfolio important for anyone, but it might, uh, I agree it's wholly, they might look different. If you have been working in the industry for a while, you might just pull out some of the projects that you work on, and you might be on your phone, you know, and, and just talk to that. And um, you, you have some uh, derivables that you had in past jobs, and you can talk to them. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a, a sort of a portfolio put together. But I think if you're going for a job and if you really want the job you're going, maybe it's worthwhile to actually prepare a little bit and pull those pieces together and think how we're going to present that work because as you get more senior, how you present yourself and how you present your work is as important as it is your work itself. So the work needs to be good, but if you can't present, you can't articulate well and you haven't prepared and you're just pulling things. And I have been interviews that people kind of on their computers and they're pulling folders and they're opening folders. Ah, oh, yeah, there's this project. It's messy, you know. It doesn't really show um, the qualities that you might be looking on, on, a, on a manager or on a, on a UX lead, you know, the, of preparation, of, you know, organization, of being, you know, able to um, articulate those things really calmly. So... I think it's worthwhile to spend a little bit of time, maybe not, um, you know, design a portfolio, but um, just think about it and think what is the best work and all the different um, things you want to showcase, the things you're interested in working on. Because you know, everything you worked in the past, it might be what you want to be working in the future. So sort of highlight the things that, you know, I worked in this project, it was a strategy and I really enjoyed it. And that's what I learned, those kind of things. I think just giving an indication of where you want to go and, as an employer, I really want to know. I really want to know what you want to do next. And, and if there's synergy, I want to help you to get there. So if you're not very clear on that, it gets quite hard. There's still the question of... I, I think the, the, uh, probably the question here is... When, like the, the, we've got a question here. When looking for recruits, what really stands out to you? And with a portfolio, you've got an opportunity when you're not sitting there in front of somebody to demonstrate who you are and what you do and how you do it. It's not just, this is the end result of a web page of something I worked on, and here's a list of, you know, final, you know, this is what I produced. Because but the, uh, at the same time, it's quite hard for people sitting in a role who are being approached by 
you know, Holly might call them and say, look, I've got this great job, but they're quite comfortable where they are. And they go, oh, okay, you know, it sounds interesting. But they're being approached and you're hearing, well, yeah, but we want a portfolio. So that can be quite a tough position to be in. Has anyone been in that? Well, no, okay, that's probably a bit too difficult, especially if you've got <laughs> employers sitting together. Um, but it is a, it's a tough question, um, I think, for people to answer. Did you have something on that, Jenny? I think I've only, I've, one, thing, one thing that I've seen um, when you're trying to build a portfolio from scratch, which I thought was really clever, actually it was, we were hiring some grads, so they'd just finished uni, they hadn't had a job, um, but what he did was he took his two favourite things, he loves watches and he has this watch site of one of the brands that he really liked and he thought the website was shit, and so he redesigned it oh. <laughs> and, he bought the, the, and he, did the, he bought the sketches and he showed the process of how he redesigned something that he loved to be better. Um, so risky, I thought, though. I thought that, that was great. Is that a bit risky? Risky, why? Isn't it risky? What if they took a little bit of, you know, they didn't like his design or they thought, oh, hang on, I designed no, no, it. No, 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 he, he didn't take it to that company. Oh, I see, he took it, it elsewhere. To oh, clever. show us the way you would think. And That's putting a lot of work we'd in. approach it. But, you know, he took something that he loved. Mm. It was a website that he thought was shit and he redesigned it and that's what he brought to the table. And I thought that was quite yeah, good for a is. starting out um, portfolio. It's quite but, clever. Yeah. Uh, in regards to junior sort of designing things, um, I have seen a few applications to come and work with us um, at different points in time where, or two in particular that stand out, where they've looked at um, some of our products uh, or our sites and have critiqued them in a nice way um, and made recommendations on what they would do if they jo joined the team and what improvements they could see. Um, obviously you need to sort of phrase these things in the right way but that really made those people stand out and um, based on everything else in terms of their experience and so forth. Um, we were, once we brought them in for interview we were able to have sort of really um, uh, sort of great discussions with them around their thoughts and could really uh, envisage them being part of the business as well. And that, I think the overall, from what everybody has said here, the overall message there is that um, it is important. Um, and even if you don't have one, get one because you may well need it. And once you've got one, you can then build on it as and when you do need to use it. And that what really stands out is that extra effort and somebody actually putting a lot of thought into what they're giving you and thinking about your experience of them before, that you're, before you're meeting them. So, um, you know, it's you without you being there. And you want that represented, you know, really well. So, you know, it's worth putting the effort in and it is appreciated. And a company, it just takes all that guesswork out. So when um, a hiring man manager is sitting looking at applications, they've got a really good sense of who you are, what you're about, what you do, how you do it, and how you're going to perform for them before they've even met you. And that will make a big difference. That is how you will set yourself aside and apart from other people. Um, so the other question um, I think that came up earlier, which I think has disappeared off here, was about um, overseas versus Australia, um, which is a really interesting question because things have changed in Australia in the last five years dramatically. When I arrived here, it was really different landscape than what it is now. We've got a lot of people coming out of General Assembly, out of... Um, uh, various other schools, um, even UT and the UTS students, you know, the quality is getting far higher in people entering the market. But what that means is that you've also got potential opportunities out there that are not necessarily suited to those people. Um, so how is that affecting people in, you know, who are working in that marketplace? Um, I can 
I can have a crack at this one. Um, so, General Assembly. All right, how controversial do I want to get? It's a panel after Be all. Be <laughs> Candid. Um, no, I think I've, I have taught the General Assembly course, um, and I see a huge amount of value in what they do. Um, I think they've turned out some exceptional graduates, um, and also the other short courses. So we've got, you know, the Academy Exercise, we've got the, the Tractors, we've got all of those other short courses. Um, but the, the promise of become a UX designer in 10 weeks, no matter if you spend all day, every day doing it, I think is a, it's a fallacy. Um, and I, while I, 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 I have a crew, I've hired people from General Assembly and I'm so deeply proud of that crew, um, but they need a lot of help to, to get there. They need coaching. Um, and it's not possible to like, put together a company of uh, people who've all just come out of the same course and not coach them to be successful. Um, from what I'm understanding from the US, because I was chatting, I don't know if any of you have read Sarah Doody and Dan McCone's recent blog posts. Um, the UX of hiring is broken. The UX of learning UX is broken. Those are two really excellent blog posts about the state of things, um, mostly in the US. Um, in the US, people who are in senior roles are saying to people coming out of General Assembly, well, it's very nice that you've done this work, but we can't work with you for another two years. You've got to go, go get some experience. To be honest, I don't know how you're supposed to go and get experience if nobody will hire you <laughs> because you're not experienced. So there's, there's this vicious cycle going on over there, um, which is not as much, I think, happening here because our market is a lot tighter. Um, there's a lot more demand. And so people are willing to give people a chance and say, do you know what? Yeah, you've just done this course. I'm going to give you a shot at it. Um, CBA has done exactly that with their mobile team. They've hired in a group of people. Henry Cho gave a talk about they've got a crew of people who have two years experience or less and he put together a team and coached that team really strongly to deliver for the, for the bank. Um, so I think that the, the other thing, just in you know, Australia versus US um, and the UK. So the US and the UK, it would be fair to say, are ahead of us. But they also, from that, have a lot of legacy stuff that they put up with. So in the US... Research and design is very strongly delineated. So at Google, you have your researchers and you have your designers and they don't um, cross over. And I mean, working in large organisations and also in my own organisation, researchers can design here. You can sort of... It's a very permeable wall. You can go between all sorts of different nuances of the discipline and not get pigeonholed in the same way that I think you would overseas. Um, yeah, so those were my thoughts about that. What advice would you give to somebody thinking, should I go and work overseas? Oh, God, do it. 100%. 100%. I, any experience that gives you something that is completely unfamiliar from where you are every single day, it can only be valuable. And if you go there and you fail spectacularly, you'll still learn. Um, I, yeah, I would absolutely encourage anybody. So who else has worked overseas? Who? Yeah, yeah go. Do <laughs> it. Best thing you can ever do. It's San a life Francisco's experience. crying out for UX designers. So is London... Mm, San Francisco probably be more fun there. I think New York, and then come back. Yeah, bring the skills back. back. <laughs> um, In-house versus agency. Last question. Plus pros and cons. In-house uh, versus agency or consultancy. So in-house UX designer versus agency. I think the difference is um, typically in consulting, you get exposure to multiple projects in different industries. That's a pro. 
That's a pro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Big pro. And um, but I guess the downside of consulting is sometimes you can't see it through all the way to the end. You may do the design and then you leave and then you don't get to follow it through and that's the downside of consulting many people find. I think in-house um, you get less less variety, I guess, because if you're in banking, you're doing banking, but you can get a lot of variety in banking uh, for sure. Um, but what I think you get when you're in-house um, is that you get to see it all the way through more often. More often not always, but more often. There's also a lot of there can be a lot of travel with consulting as well. That's the other thing, which can be a good thing for some people and a not a good thing for others. So being away from home a lot. And work pace. Yeah. And what? Yeah. Pace of, the pace of work. The so pace of work, yeah. In consultancy, the pace of work is a lot faster than, consultant, than in-house. It just is. Yeah. It's a, it's a very different commercial relationship. Yeah, and I'd completely recommend trying the different types of work as well. Um, so some people love consulting, consultancy work um, and are really suited to it, um, and other people you throw them into sort of a, a, a contract and uh, they just really hate letting go of work at the end and not seeing it through to fruition. Um, I've recruited for people sort of agency side for consultancies um, and client side as well, and I find that two different sorts of, uh, I guess, personalities uh, prefer the, the different types of environment and pieces of work, but I think working in both sorts of environments will definitely help you sort of develop as an individual, working on sort of the different pace of projects, different types of projects, different clients. Uh, um, Holly, oh, sorry, go on. Oh. I guess, you know, the girls did a really good job to define it. The only thing I would like to add is that when you work in the house, you own the product. So there's the ownership of what you're going to do, and it's a long-term relationship that we have with the products we create. You're there for the long term. Um, so there's things we get done now, what you do later, and how we change that. You're part of that journey. Um, so there's a lot of... Um, value for those that you know like those sort of things and 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 be involved in the life cycle of a product of various product uh, launch of products you know sort of how they change over time so i think it's um is a, a big plus if that's your thing um we don't see that we don't get to do that much in 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 agencies which i feel that do slices of 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 things you know you take a slice and do something um but rarely they have the opportunity to do um, the entire lot and all see things through over time and evolve things over time. Um, Holly, can I get this question out before we close about salaries? Because I think that's suddenly shot up to the top. So I'm guessing that there's quite a lot of people who are quite interested to know about that. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a tricky one because um, it does really vary, obviously, depending on the environment. Yeah. Um, but there is quite, you know, the expectations coming out of some environments when they go into others can be quite out then there are you know competition wars going on between some large corporates to uh, which hikes it up a little bit sometimes so what should people be looking for we've got a question of salaries for a senior UXer and a lead UXer and what is the difference between a lead UXer and a senior UXer I think um, it depends on industry um, and really around the skill set about what the company is looking to hire and how much they're looking to pay for that. Um, I guess over the last three years, the demand has grown a lot, so therefore, naturally, the salaries have been creeping up, but companies, um, a lot of my clients are looking to standardise 
the salaries by rate cards and bandings. So depending on the number of years of experience you're in that band and, you know, that's the maximum that you're going to get to kind of level out, um, I guess, yeah, so but you can come and ask then. me if so you have So let's have, have any some guidelines. Questions. If we look at somewhere between, if we say, could you, can you get a senior UX role at 130 or 150? Or are they likely to start at 120? Where does a senior UX level start? So, um, yeah, it depends if you're looking between five and ten years. So. Yep. If you've got more years' experience, you should be on a higher salary. It makes sense. There are senior UX people there out there who are commanding high salaries, but they don't have an awful lot of experience. So that's where the, I think the difference comes from when you talk about a lead and a senior. What constitutes a senior? Is it a three years' experience? Is it five years' experience? What do we look for? I don't know if you guys disagree, but I would say over five years. For a senior? Um, well, from, from my point of view, I think it's, it's kind of less about the years and more about the variety of projects and the experiences that they've had. Um, the, amount, the, the command of the techniques that make up our, um, our job and being able to demonstrate their command of those techniques. Um, the difference for me between a senior and a lead, a senior has a, quite a lot of experience, can demonstrate capability and competence in um, all of the techniques that they're asked to use. They are able to... Uh, guide and mentor to some degree more junior, um, more junior individuals. Um, a lead, I would say that they would have complete competency in all of the techniques that they are being asked to use for their job. They can coach without direction, um, coach and mentor, run a team, manage stakeholders independently without having somebody oversee them. Um, and this kind of gets more into the consulting landscape because stakeholder, well, stakeholder management is, is true for every organisation, but being able to, to manage up and articulate the decisions that they're making, why they're making it, um, is very important. But very much that coaching. And I think the other interesting thing that's going on in the way that, that Australian companies are structuring, and particularly Atlassian, you can go and see this online if you want, they have two streams of practice. One is the design manager practice where you actually have people management responsibilities. But they also have the stream of going, the, the stream up go of, of being a practice lead, which is just basically you are shit hot at the work that you do, but you don't necessarily want to manage people. But they recognise in that same you know, level of seniority that you're just really, really, really good at interaction design, research, whatever it is that your practice um, is. Um, I mean, from a consulting point of view on salaries, so people, the way that I work it out, it's maths. I can charge out a senior person at this particular day rate. I need to retain 30 to 35% operating margin on that day rate so I can run my business. I'm constrained by the number of days in a year that this human is alive, willing to come to work and work for me. Um, and it's literally, it's maths. Um, and you end up, I think, with senior somewhere around the 115s to 120s, with leads somewhere, this is base, um, with leads somewhere around the 135s, um, it can go up to the 150s, but then you've got to package it up in a nice way. I think leads are mostly expecting around about the 150 mark, seniors around about the 120 to 135 package mark. Um, but then you've got people who have got huge amounts of experience and going around commanding $250,000, you know, $300,000 for yeah. leading departments. Um, so I just I want to just give you a couple of numbers to answer it the question. It does. You're right. It does really vary. But it's maths, literally. It is it's maths. maths. But it's also maths in um, what 
you're doing. So it's weighing up, and I'd advise this to anybody who's thinking, okay, I'm, here I am, I'm on this salary, what can, what, what's my value? It's not, about, it's not so much about your value, because your value can vary between a bank and a consultancy and a startup widely. And it's more about what do you want to do? So, you know, with a, with a bank or a big, like a telco, whatever, any of these big corporates, you're going to get a package that's going to be hard to beat in most environments because they have big bonuses as well, like 20% bonus. You don't get that with most startups. You're going to get a lower salary, but you're going to get to sit on a crate for a you know, few months or whatever <laughs> and work from that. Um, but you're going to get some experience that you might not get anywhere else. But then, you know, at the telco, at the bank, you might get some, you know, huge amount of resource that you're working on some great product that's going to affect millions of people overnight you know it's just weighing up what's important to you and also to look at the people that you'd be working with assess what you get out of it and the value that you can get from that rather than just the salary it's not just about the dollar value so thank you very much to our panel. That's been awesome. I hope everybody's got a lot of stuff out of that. Um, we just wanted to put some books up. I got the guys to just send me through some, some of their favorite books. Um, so some reading. We've got lots more, but these were the few that came out time and time again from the, the panel. Um, so just in case you want to educate yourselves and just help yourselves to develop, um, these will be useful to you. They're great books. Um, I believe that all the panellists are here for the, the next, um, or tomorrow as well. So if you're particularly keen to talk to one of them, they're here. Um, and thank you very much for coming. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.